Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So this morning marks the final sermon in our third verse sermon series. This has actually been a whole lot of fun preaching on scriptures that are a little bit unusual. As you know, if you've been here in the last couple of weeks, I was challenged by Bolton Seagull by these particular verses, these ones that he found. But today's doesn't actually come from Bolton. The last one comes from a request from Richard Hurd. One of Richard's favorite books as of late is a book written by Mark Batterson and it's called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And Mark is actually the pastor of National Community Church. And this particular book is based on a little known story from First Chronicles about a mighty warrior named Benaiah. And Benaiah lived during the time of King David. He served under him and then later he went on to serve King David's son, Solomon. Benaiah was a group of 30 men and they were the commanders of various parts of David's military and later Solomon's military. He was appointed to be David's captain of a particular part of his army based on three acts of courage that we read about in First Chronicles. The first thing that it talks about that he did was he killed two of Moab's Aerials, to aerials of Moab, it says. Now, you may remember the Moabites earlier in the sermon series. We talked about Balaam and the donkey, and he was working for the Moabite king. Well, this guy, Benaiah, killed two aerials of Moab. So they were also soldiers under the Moabite king. Now, the word aerial in Hebrew is another way, it's very closely associated with the word lion. And so what they're saying when they call these men aerials is they're saying that they were lion-like. They were strong and fast and fierce and people were tremendously afraid of them. And so it took great courage for Benaiah to defeat them. Another thing that happened according to 1 Chronicles was that one day Benaiah killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Like talk about setting you up for this incredible story. It is hard enough to think about facing a lion. I mean, lions are incredibly stealthy and fierce and strong. But to do so in a pit, which means you're trapped with this lion, and then there's snow on top of it. So it kind of sounds like that tale like you would tell your kids. I used to walk through 10 miles of snow to get somewhere. I mean, it is this huge, larger-than-life story. And then the third thing that he was known for is he met an Egyptian, a man of great stature they said was five cubits tall, which is about nine feet tall, and about the same size as Goliath, really, And this man had this tremendous spear. It was said to be six or seven inches thick. So think of this guy holding a spear that's kind of like a telephone pole or he's holding something like a flagpole. At any rate, it's this formidable weapon. And somehow, Benaiah only had a a staff in his hand and he knocked the spear out of the other guy's hand and then took that spear, picked it up with all his strength, 
and then killed the giant. And that helped win him great fame in all of Israel. Now this might be a lot to try to take in, this story. And so I hear that we have a video which tried to recapture it. Hey, you wanna play Ben and I and the lion? Sure, let's play. One time I beat up two guards from Moab. Hey, Ben and Naya, what do you think you're doing here? I'm looking for a lion. Try and stop me. Yeah! <laughs> hey, you can't do that to my friend. But I can if I do it to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah! Roar! Oh no, lion! What are you doing in this snowy pit? Roar! <laughs> Not so fast, Ben and Naya. Oh no, an Egyptian! I'm gonna get you. Nuh-uh. You don't scare me. Ah. I'm gonna beat you up. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's how we read up on Snowy Pit. I am confident it happened just like that. Um... Thank you for that recap, Sadie and Charlie. You know, page after page in the Bible, we read of men and women who live these extraordinary lives, often taking incredible risks for their faith. Sometimes they were big and bold things like these mighty warriors who faced battles, and sometimes they were just men and women who took these small steps of tremendous courage in order to serve God. They risked it all on God. And when they risked it all on God, God would show up and God would do amazing things through them. Things that cannot really be explained apart from God. And now this courage, of course, and these stories aren't limited to our scripture. Scripture does tell us that, that the ways in which God continues to act, they go on and on and on. And there's so many stories about the ways that God is moving in the lives of his people that you couldn't even contain it if you filled up the entire earth. And so we know that God continues to work in each of our lives Mark, in his book, tells the story of a man in his congregation, and this man had a heart like Benaiah. He was a lieutenant colonel, and his name was Ted Anderson, and he was in the Pentagon on September 11th when one of the planes crashed into the Pentagon. As others began to run for their lives, he ran into the building. He took his jacket, and he put it over shards of glass on a windowsill, and then he grabbed another man, and together they managed to climb into the collapsing building, and they carried out these two women, one of whom was unconscious, one of whom was badly burned, and over the next hour, they continued to do this, go into the blaze over and over and over again, pulling more people out. At one point, he and the other officer were having to crawl on their bellies to be underneath the inferno that was blazing around them, and they were trying to scream at the top of their lungs, and there was so much noise from the burning walls 
that it was hard for people to hear them, but they would scream so that they could try to help those who were still trapped. And finally, Arlington County firefighters had to restrain him so that he wouldn't go back in, and it probably saved his life because right after that last escape, the building collapsed around him. Ted Anderson, he stayed at the Pentagon all day anyway. In part, he says later, because his keys were in his desk and he couldn't take his car, but really because he just, he couldn't leave. Finally, he was able to get another key and they sent him home. He listened to 52 voicemail messages that were left on his phone. He took a shower. He says he cried for about 30 minutes and he tried to go to sleep. And finally at 1 a.m., he said much to his relief, his boss called him and said, get dressed, let's just go back. We're needed over there. And so he did. And that what it, is what it means to run towards the roar and not to run away from it. Have you ever run towards the roar, faced a lion and looked in its eyes. You know, in every life, there are moments when we have to decide if we're gonna step out in courage, in faith, or if we're gonna keep living our life as if our purpose is to arrive safely at our death. Are we gonna go after those dreams that are destined to fail without divine intervention? Are we gonna run towards that which scares us because we know it is the right thing to do, even if we run all by ourselves? or it feels like we are alone in the moment? Or are we gonna run away from those things that terrify us? Are our dreams big enough? Or are they small and safe? Are we gonna bet it all on God and watch God do what only God can do? You know, someone once asked Mark this question, if you knew you couldn't fail, what dream would you go after? And his answer was a great one. He said, I I have a better question for you. If you knew that you would fail, what dream, what thing would you still do because you couldn't live with yourself if you didn't? You see, it's not about winning or losing. A lot of times we pursue things and they don't go the way that we think that they should, but it was still the right thing to move forward in that direction. And so it's not about success and failure It's about obedience. It's about when God puts a lion in your path, having the courage to face it with God's help, to seize whatever opportunity lies in front of you, even when it terrifies you, and to trust in God's timing and God's provision, that God is gonna show up, that God is gonna give you what you need for that moment, even if you're not sure how you're gonna get through it. You know, Benaiah, it would seem, was ready for all circumstances. Surely he was afraid in each of those moments. He's just a human being. But he was willing to confront those fears no matter what happened. And so because of this, when opportunities came his way, he was able to seize them. Aaron McManus wrote a book called Seizing Your Divine Moment. And he said once, this may sound too simple, But the abundant life that Jesus promises is ushered in through the choices we make in the ordinary moments of our life. Because time, it continues to come our way. It's constant. And sometimes because we have what feels like an abundance of time, we take that time for granted and and we waste it. I heard a story about a little girl and she was fascinated by her mother's egg timer. And so it was one of those small hourglass things with sand in it. 
and she would just flip it over. And her mom explained that there were exactly three minutes worth of sand, and so every time she flipped it, it would be three more minutes. And then later on, she brought a friend to the kitchen, and she was showing her, the little girl was, this egg timer, and she said, you see this? You run through it like this, and you turn it upside down, and you get your three minutes back. Man, if only it was that easy, right? Like you get your five minutes back, you get your 10 minutes back, you get your year back. Wouldn't that be great if we could reuse the time that we misspent, if we got a do-over? But life, it doesn't work that way. Time is fleeting. The moment to make a decision is always the moment right in front of us because all we are guaranteed is just this moment. And so we have to decide how we will use it and if we will use it to the glory of God. If we're gonna use it to our fullest potential, then we have to just stop letting time flow through our fingers. We have to make a choice about what we're gonna do with these moments, these precious moments that we have been given. Do we continue to choose the path of least resistance to get just caught up in the hectic pace of life, to let life happen around us And maybe in doing this, there's comfort in it, but we miss out on all that God has for us to do. We never want to look back on our life and wonder, man, what did I do with it all? Where did it go? The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Ephesians. He said, be careful how you live in chapter five. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know, and sometimes these things come our way and we don't really know what to do. There's a call for us to be courageous in the moment, to move forward, but it can be hard sometimes to discern what is next. Just this morning, I was in 8.30 worship and my phone rang, my phone was in my robe pocket, And I normally don't bring my phone, but I did, and it kept ringing, which is a little, you know, when you're trying to be really quiet in worship uh, and your phone keeps ringing, and so finally I look at it, and it's one of my kids, and they had called seven times. And I thought, well, either they're gonna ask me what's for lunch or something has happened. You never never know, right? And so I I have to just text, because it's in the middle of worship, I am in worship. And they texted back and they said that our dog had just died. And I'm sitting there and I look to Juliet and I said, my dog just died, I have to go. She said, okay. And so I get up and I leave. And I'm, but I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, what in the world do I do? My husband is not in town. This dog weighs 100 pounds. I have no idea what the next step is. And I don't know what I'm gonna walk into when I walk into my house. He hadn't been sick, he just fell asleep and he just died and he was in my son's room but I knew I couldn't leave him in my son's room and I'm praying about it and I'm like, God, I need you to help. I have like an hour and I have to come back and I, I, I don't know what to do. And right in that moment, he was like this, just this voice and it said, who are your people? Who can you call? And I thought, well, I'll call Amy Stegall, because she often knows what to do. And I called her, and immediately she said, Tofi and I are coming. We'll help you figure out what to do. And so they showed up at my house. And in that moment, you know, that, that to me, 
that willingness to drop everything. I'm sure they had other things to do today and they, they came and they knew what to do and they were the hands of God in that moment and it, it felt so, I just felt so loved and so grateful and so covered by God and they helped me to, to be brave in that moment and to know what to do with my, my kids and, and to figure out what to do uh, with him and how to care for my dog and for them in that moment and then get back to be here with you. You know, sometimes courage doesn't look like this huge battle. Sometimes it's just showing up and helping one another, even if, even if you're not even sure what to do, but just being there and being the presence of God in that moment. And that's why God gives us community to help each other through that, to offer wise counsel when a person doesn't know what to do. Sometimes when we're seeking God's wisdom in our lives, we have to do this over time and sometimes God immediately provides a response like I feel like happened this morning. But sometimes when we're discerning God's will, if we're truly discerning what God wants us to do and not just putting God off for a little while, sometimes it's a long time before the answer comes. And so we also have to be prepared that immediately God may show up and we may know the right decision or we may have to wait on the Lord. You know, I struggle, like I know a lot of you do, with waiting on the Lord, but you know all things happen in God's time and nothing happens before God's time. Mark says in his book that the word opportunity is actually an ancient word and it's made up of two words, ab and portu. And portu refers to the harbor, the port. And it used to be that if you wanted to bring your ship into port, you had to wait on the tides. You had to wait for the high tide to come to kind of push your boat in to the shore. And no matter how fast you got from port A to port B, you still had to wait on that tide. And then when the tide went out, then your boat would be on, on ground and you could unload it and then you had to wait on the water. Again, we spend a lot of our time waiting on the Lord, waiting on something bigger than us to come and to help us. And so we have to remember in the waiting time not to get complacent, not to grow comfortable or lazy, to use that time to increase our love and knowledge of God to grow closer to him, to practice the skills that are only found in waiting, like patience and obedience and trust. Because God wastes nothing. God does not waste that waiting time. And even the waiting periods, though frustrating, might be an opportunity for us to strengthen our relationship with God and to prepare us for future opportunities. You know the scripture, it says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. See, sometimes we don't wait and we push ahead prematurely and we use up all of our own strength because we try to make something happen that wasn't quite ready to happen and so some version of it comes out but it's never as good as if we had waited on the Lord because when we wait on the Lord, we renew our strength. And it goes on and says, they will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. When the water rises up and moves our boat into the harbor, this thing God is gonna do in your life, whatever it is, 
It's much bigger than you, much bigger than your circumstances or your capabilities. And I think sometimes it's this way so that God gets all the credit because everybody goes, well, she could have never done that by herself. So you know it was God and you're thinking to yourself, I know I never could have done that by myself. It's so big, you can't possibly explain it away. Even if it's a simple thing, you know, you know it was God. And because you know it was God, you cannot help but be so very grateful. God is so much bigger than whatever circumstances we face. And every day, God provides opportunities for us to glorify his name in big and small ways. Mark also says in the book that faith is the willingness to look foolish sometimes. I can't think of anything more foolish than chasing a lion into a pit on a snowy day. But that's faith. Maybe you think, I can't change majors, I might look foolish. I can't quit my job, I can't seek out counseling, I can't ask her out, I can't share my faith, I can't pray for a miracle, I can't make that move, I might look foolish. And sometimes we have to be willing to look foolish so that God can show up and so that we can learn this step of faith. He also said that faith is unlearning our fears because you can run away from what you're afraid of, but that may mean you run the rest of your life. At some point, we have to not let fear dictate our decisions. At some point, we have to face that lion in the eyes so that we can move forward into the life that God has for us. I want to end today with something that Mark shared in his book, and it's called The Lion Chaser's Manifesto. And it goes like this. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight your dreams. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go and live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. And don't let what is wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. And quit running away. Chase the lion. Chase the lion. Chase the lion. Let us pray. God, just as you were ever present with Benaiah, as you were his courage in the difficult moments, God, I pray for courage for each of us. You know our stories. You know the things that we are facing. Some of them, some of them are things that we have been facing for a long time but been unsure of what to do. Some of us are in that waiting space, God, waiting on you. And so I just pray that you would speak and you would speak clearly and boldly into those who need to hear a word from you today. And God, I just pray for this community.
that we would continue to show up for one another, that, that when we have need, we would surround each other, that we would be that source of courage, that we would pull one another out of the burning buildings of our lives, that even in those moments when our friends are hurting, that we would be there for them, because and, and, that's what it means, God, to be your hands and feet in the world, to keep showing up to keep loving each other and caring for one another so that together we might do the work that you have set before us, whatever it is, however big it is. May we dream big. May we be bold, God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.